we're continuing our study in looking at the flesh and spirit. And tonight we're going to be looking at the continuation of what we've started the past couple of classes, looking at living in the spirit, life in the spirit as it's titled. And tonight we're going to be primarily focusing on Colossians 3. So excited about that. And before we begin, I have to ask Eric to feel pleased in a prayer, please. So before we dive into Colossians, I did want to go back and look at where we left off on, on Sunday briefly, looking at, at Romans 8, which um, Kyle had focused most, most of the class on and thought it was a, a great class. And you know, towards the end, we were looking at what the how the Spirit has so many different roles when it comes to aiding us, and as Kyle was finishing class, about how it regenerates us, regenerates our spirit. And as he was talking about this, and, and the bell rang, and you know, time was just getting away from me, but I, I, I started thinking about, as it ends here, at the end of verse uh, 16, where it says this, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And we, we touched on this briefly, looking at the idea of the, of the spirit testifying with, with our spirit, which I thought is a fascinating thing. And I can't fully explain all that, is, that goes along with that, but as I started thinking about it after you know, we left class and just continued to to think about that, you know, I started thinking about the, the spiritual courtroom that we encounter throughout Scripture. You know, that, that is something that, whether you're looking at the prophets, you look at Job, you look at, you know, numerous passages, there's a lot of legal terms, courtroom terms, as, as, as I would put it, um, a lot of the, the prophets calling on heaven and earth to be witnesses to certain things that Israel was doing, Judah was doing. You know, God would call on heaven and earth to witness these things. He would, the prophets would call on God himself to be a witness. You know, that, that type of language goes on and on. And what... What are we told in Scripture that, in thinking, again, in courtroom terms, what is, what is Satan described as? The De accuser. The accuser. He's defined as the accuser. And what is Jesus defined as? He's our advocate. Our advocate, exactly. So here we have the Spirit, if he's testifying with our Spirit, makes the Spirit, a witness, you know, giving testimony with, with our Spirit. If we have, and I, I can't tell you what is going on in the spiritual realms, but it's something that we can meditate on, think about. We're given hints and sometimes flat out descriptions of what is going on. But I think it's a beautiful picture to think about the Spirit testifying with our spirit, if, if we're being accused, mankind is being accused 
us individually being accused by Satan. Jesus is our advocate, defending us, calling on the Spirit as a witness. Because what is the what is the Spirit put on us when we have identified ourselves with Jesus? A seal. Exactly. So he has placed a seal on us, and he's testifying with our spirit. And I can't quite describe that perfectly, but it, again, it's an amazing, beautiful thing that is going on. And all this is, is playing out in, in this other spiritual realm. So that leads us to our continual discussion about living in the spirit. Obviously, why is it so important to have this spiritual connection? If all of that is going on, what should be our ultimate goal? I know it's a broad question, but it has a, a lot of different answers for each one of us. But as we're talking about living in the Spirit, what, what is our ultimate goal? If you want to live up to that stamp of approval, yeah. it's, it's kind of like when you, when you see something that's stamped with made in America, you know. Some other country. I mean, you automatically take that as having higher quality. It's better made. And, and same thing with us. The seal of the Holy Spirit is that we are supposed to be better. We're supposed to have, um, like I said, we're supposed to become a new man. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a higher standard that we're called to live live to with that seal. Very good. Yes. There may be a parallel that we could call on from Zechariah 3. Um, the first few verses there of that chapter. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this the brand that was plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away, so forth. But Satan was there to accuse, and the Lord rebuked him. Yes. So. I know that doesn't identify the spirits, but uh, Lord was spirit. Exactly. Satan was spirit, and they're all before God, mm -hmm. um, and that sim simultaneous testimony right. was was obvious. Exactly. And I, I, again, it doesn't say there's Zechariah, but you can I think infer that the spirit. In other cases, is testifying. No, no, no. That one is mine. You know, or ours. It's right. referring to the Trinity. You know, as Satan is accusing, right. we we have. You know, what what Paul is talking about here that the Spirit is testifying on our behalf. Yes. And we don't see so much indications of the Spirit of God leaving us when we sin. <clears throat> but for example, in Ephesians four um, verse thirty, this is in a context of all of the 
the ways that we're called to live as children of God. And in the midst of that, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So the Spirit is in you, but by living in a way that's contrary to the way that we're supposed to live as children of God, the Spirit may be there, but he's grieved by the way that we're living. So we're, the instruction is, keep the, you've got the Spirit in you, keep him happy. <laughs> Any other comments or thoughts on that? Well, the spirit is what God's going to take back when your physical body dies. So we need to take care of it. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And that's what our primary focus is tonight in these classes, you know, talking about this little group of classes that we're having about living life in the spirit. Um, and... You know, specifically tonight, looking at, at Colossians chapter 3, uh, hopefully we're going to get through all of it. I couldn't really figure out what to pick out of it. There's so much in there, so I thought at least you know, starting at the beginning would be you know, reading through it. But again, this idea of the Spirit testifying with our spirit and us carrying this seal of, of the Holy Spirit... Um, well, what does it look like to be led by that Spirit? And I believe that's what, what Paul is trying to get across, whether he's writing to the Ephesians or here writing to the Colossians. Mo most of his letters, you know, he, he touches on this about how Christians should be living, living in the Spirit. How are we, how are we made alive in the Spirit? How does that suppose to look. So let's uh, let's jump in looking at the first four verses here, Colossians 3. And he starts off and he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So he he starts off this section, you know, talking about setting setting our hearts on things above. So how how do we do that? What are practical ways that we do that? And he, he touches on this a I think one of the answers later in the next sentence, but how, how do we do that? Well, I, think you, I think you think about what God would want you to do, and would you be doing something that you shouldn't be doing if Jesus was standing beside you? Mm -hmm. I think that's what he's talking about. Could it be fruit? of the Spirit, we set our minds on those things instead of on things of the world or things of the flesh. Mm -hmm. Look at the positive, avoid the negative. It speaks to effort because, you know, seek, that's a very active word. Mm -hmm. um, and so the things that we could be seeking 
um, as opposed to this aren't even necessarily bad things, but if we're spending our energy seeking things that are not from above, even if they're just neutral, mm -hmm. that's still not benefiting, that's still not what the Spirit is leading us to do. And also think about, yes, yeah. I was going to say, to me, um, prayer and being in the Word, I mean, that's communication with God in two ways. And so to me, like, to try and constantly pull yourself back to spiritual things, you need to be in those two things. Definitely. You know, we touched on this in past classes. What are all those things that you all mentioned? What that is doing to us is a... It's beginning and continuing a transformation. You know, we, we begin that. You know, Paul uses that language later. Um, excuse me. He uses that in Romans and other places, too, about us, you know, transforming ourselves, renewing ourselves. And this is a daily occurrence or, or should be. And there in verse 4, what it's going to lead to is is our ultimate transformation so you know this as he, as he says when we appear with Christ in glory so we you know we, we begin this transformation and it's a lifelong pursuit and a daily pursuit and then we have you know the ultimate transformation there and it all again begins with identifying ourselves with Christ and our lives as he puts it there are are hidden with Christ any other thoughts on that before we move on yeah Kyle. yeah um, this is kind of continuing something he begins in the second chapter where he talks about being raised with Christ and he specifically mentions baptism and how baptism is a reflection of the spiritual reality in which we are spiritually being raised with Christ it's not uh, original by any stretch of the imagination to say that Christ is our ultimate example, but when you look at it in that context, when you think about what Christ was doing when he was raised, in the short time that he came back and was raised, we're here for a lot longer, but we have the same commands. It's that he was you know, meeting with his uh, disciples and teaching, um, and he was looking forward to heaven. He was setting his mind on things above, not earthly things, and this is the same charge here, so I think you kind of have, if you're looking for practical ways, you can think of, you know, what Christ was doing in that time he was after his resurrection might be a good place to start. Any other thoughts on this? All right, let's move on. Picking up in verse 5. He continues saying, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, 
but Christ is all and is in all. So, there's a lot within this little section here. And, you know, he, he's making, he's beginning to make a sharp contrast between the old self and putting on, you know, the new self. And what he singles out here, and he's talking about, you know, the old self, or we could put it as, well, as he puts it, earthly nature, you know, our, our fleshly nature. You know, he singles out sexual sins and sins of speech, is I guess the best way I can put it. Um, sins of the tongue. And, you know, thinking about those, those two areas and how significant that they are and how divisive um, and as, as he puts it, you know, this, these are the reasons the wrath of God is coming. And again, he's saying this is what you, you have put off. This is how you once lived. And a little bit, our next section was what you're supposed to put on. And, you know, we talked about in the past that a lot of the times, as Christians, we can identify or we can be identified as, I guess, the what we can't do, right? The no's, I know we've talked about that uh, briefly in some classes too. But that's, that's not what Paul is, is trying you know, to get across here. He's also he's trying to make this contrast, this comparison of what, what is somebody putting on Christ, putting on their, their, their new self, being clothed in this, this new spirit. What is that you know, supposed to look like? And... He says there in verse 10, he says, putting on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So that's a pretty significant statement there. What, what are your all's thoughts on that? What is that? What comes to mind when you read about that or think about that? And I think it, it has to do with what we just read in verses you know, one, one, one through four. Um, you know this this idea of of transformation, this idea of you know continuing to renew ourselves and renew our spirits. Does anything else come to mind or pop out to you when you? That's what you do at baptism. Okay. You put on a new self. Put on a new self. Yes. And this idea of being renewed in knowledge and the image of the of our Creator. You know, go ahead. To know our God, to know our Lord, to know Christ, that's uh, more than just facts about Him. We, we experience who He is by His love and His daily care for us, provision. And so we're renewed by knowing Him as we, as we know 
the person that he is, the love that he has, the care that he gives, we can be renewed in his image. It seems to me. I don't know what yeah, that's not. And again, you go back to Genesis. We're, we were created in that image, in his image. And this continual, as we mentioned, this continual daily transformation, you know, digging into the word, prayer, having this spiritual connection is this continual renewal of a, it's a, I guess, a continual education that we're doing day by day. Uh, an education and a knowledge of of our Creator. It, it takes effort on our part to see, really see how He cares for us every day. Uh, that, it isn't something we ju just happens and mm -hmm. we accept the fact of it. It's right. something we experience. We see that, and it takes an effort on my part to recognize how many of those places are, yeah. how many of those ways there are that he cares for me. And what, if we all have this goal of this spiritual connection, what, what does he tell us here in verse 11? What does that end up, what's one of the results of that? If that's, if that's mankind, if people that are searching Trying to make this spiritual connection with our Creator. What does that result in? What's a beautiful thing it results in? It results in a, a oneness where there are no, there are no race, color, yeah. country, whatever. You're a Christ, and that's it. There's yeah. nothing else. If that, if that's not powerful, you know, in not just in our society, every single society that's ever existed, that. What what do you? If you if you're a history student, even if you're not, if you just acknowledge what has gone on throughout history, you see the result of societies that that do they put on Christ, and you see how they flourish and how there is harmony. And it's not a hundred percent because we're we're human, but it's it's a beautiful thing to see what living in the Spirit would. People that identify with Christ and are continuing this, this transformation day by day, how the the barriers can go away, uh, and it's an amazing thing. Yeah, glory. Well, that takes us back to Romans eight, where it, it was pointed out last week. We didn't really spend a lot of time talking about it, but that the presence of the Holy Spirit, because He is the identifier. That that's how his, God's people are identified. So, like what with Eric is saying, you know, the identification isn't by label. <laughs> it's not by denomination. It's not by church. It's not by congregation. It's individually, you know, that the, the presence of the Spirit identifies us. Any other thoughts on that before we continue on? Randy, just one thing yeah. that you, you uh, helped in this section, you mentioned s 
sexual sins and sins of the tongue. And I couldn't help but think if we are, if I am wondering how I can um, be a salt in today's society, it is not difficult to stand out. We live in a society of tons of sexual immorality, adultery, homosexual, whatever it is. We live in a society that slanders left and right every day. So I was just thinking when I was reading that, or you're reading that, I was thinking, um, we have great opportunity to stand out in our society and to be different. Uh, Randy, I think, yeah. you know, the, this is not just a random list of, of things, you know. He, you know, he, especially when he says, you know, greed, greed, which is idolatry. Idolatry is placing something that's not God as a God, right? And all those, with all those things, I think, you know, we're trying to fill ourselves up or satisfy ourselves in some way through those things rather than, as he ends that section, by uh, letting Christ be all uh, in us mm -hmm. completely, you know, being, putting those things to death. So, um, and when we think about those things, again, it's not just, oh, here's some random, we stuck in this random list of things you shouldn't do. It's, <clears throat> these are things that are opposed to Christ and his nature and should not be a part of, of a Christian who's trying to be filled with Christ. And so, um, I guess when we think about it, we should think about it in that way. Yeah, and, and think about, exactly, think about that. Think about, is this the type of community that you want to live in? And some people initially would say, yeah, because those are the things I like to do. But we all know those are the type of communities that crumble, you know, almost instantly. You know, they will self-devour themselves very quickly and then what we're going to look at here starting verse 12 is the is the contrast to this and what paul is saying here he's he continues saying therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So, uh, and I, I did find out that, I guess the Greek word for patience there is actually translated Lord, big hearted. So this idea of patience, having this, this big heart, that you're patient um, with each other. So here we have, the the community of the chosen of chosen God's chosen people how we should be how the how the church should be identified as and and again he says on the the crown on all of this is love and this is what is going to bind everything together in perfect unity and he continues saying, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, 
as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So, again, this picture of, of the new self that us, those that identify with Christ, that are, have, the, have the Spirit dwelling within them, this is what it should look like. And I did run across something interesting that I had never read before that I think what they said was in the, probably the first through the third centuries that people being baptized would actually take off their outer garment be baptized in their inner garment, I guess what we would call their underwear or, or whatever. And then as they would come up out of the water, they were presented with white clothing. So, again, this, this idea is very, um, you can picture that, this idea of they've taken off their old clothes and being raised and, and putting on new clothes, as, uh, as Paul talks about here. And I love that imagery. Um, and knowing that, you know, those that are our brothers and sisters from long, long ago that, that would do that, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thought. And, but it gives us this idea of how it, it's to change us and to change our hearts, change our, our identity. And he's, he says there that this should dwell, dwell among us richly. Um, so what, is, what does that mean to you all? I mean, it might be very obvious, but I'd like to hear what you all have to think about that. What does that look like if, if the message of Christ is dwelling richly among a group of people? Normally doing well, or he wouldn't be there. Yeah, doing definitely doing well, and it should be evident. It should be evident. Yes, yes. You know, he and he 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 touches this, touches on this. You know, this should be evident as as you are teaching and as you are speaking to each other, um, singing to each other. Here is another example he has, and then basically as he concludes in everything, you know. It's all being done in, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, so again, you know, powerful, powerful language. And as you can see through, throughout this section, as he, as he finishes that, saying to do everything in the name of Jesus, as you can see throughout the section, that's where he's, you know... <clears throat> He's, he's the centerpiece of it all. And I tried, I highlighted, you know, because he's the example of most of the things that Paul is trying to get across of what Christian believers are supposed to be doing, the way we're supposed to be behaving. So forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then, you know, we're going to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. You know, 
teach and admonish each other songs from the Spirit. And again, doing all in the name of Lord Jesus, of Lord Jesus. So that's, you know, it's the centerpiece of, of this behavior is, is Christ and the Spirit. And then are we living in a way that it, it's showing that they are dwelling within us and our actions and our speech? Identifying that. Yes, Jay. Randy, I'm trying to think of it was a time when Peter challenged Jesus. Uh, Jesus had talked about his, you know, predicting his death. And Peter took him aside and challenged him and, and uh, told him it wasn't going to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, remember Jesus' response? Get behind me, Satan. Mm -hmm. And the reason he said that was, Peter, you're minding the things of the flesh, not the things of the spirit. That seems to fit what we're talking about here. We're all too often focused on how physically well I look or don't look, you know. <laughs> and uh, not as concerned about spiritually what we look like. Very good point. What is our, again, going back to the beginning of this chapter, what, are, what is our mind, what are our hearts set on? Earthly things where we can become distracted or on things above, which is gonna keep us in that more spiritual connection. Very good. When you think about with Jesus when he came, you think about how much he changed what was at that point the status quo in the Jewish community, and, you know, how he was almost, well, I mean, really the polar opposite of what the Pharisees were, which, you know, is sad, but you see how polarizing Jesus was and how all the people flocked to him. And of course, there were people who didn't like what they heard, and so they ended up, you know, some of them didn't continue to follow him, but you see how his behavior, which is what we should be, mm -hmm. how people automatically were drawn to that. And you had people who were just coming to be in his presence, people who were coming just want to, um, to touch him because they believe in what he could do to heal them, which obviously we don't have that capability, but it doesn't mean that we can't still have that kind of a polarizing effect on the people that we come in contact with because of them seeing Christ living through us. Um, I just think that's something that, as we were talking about that, us not being afraid to also change that status quo of the group of people that we're in or with maybe where we have found ourselves, you know, in life, you know, maybe we've, you know, kind of drifted away or maybe, you know, we need to get, you know, back on track and, and not being afraid to rock the boat in a good way, but getting, changing that status quo of, of what has become the norm around us to be that polarizing figure in a good way um, of, of letting our, our, our life in Christ shine through. Anything else? So, we don't have a ton of time to go through the, the end of Colossians 3 here. But as he finishes the chapter, he uses three, three different relationships 
and gives instruction on those, looking at husbands and wives, children and parents, and slaves and masters, earthly masters, as he puts it there. Um, and again, due to, you know, time, and we have a little bit of time to talk about this, but it, interesting, you know, for what he's trying to, you know, get across to them in this, in this chapter, how, you know, in this idea of talking about identifying yourself in Christ, putting off the old self, putting on the new, well, how is that going to look in earthly relationships? And but your friends are noticed the change in you. Yes, you ma'am. no longer cuss and drink and mm-hmm. you know slouch around. That's very true. You know, you gave up all those bad habits to develop new ones. Yes. So you'd be shining. That's true. That's true. And that's the contrast he gives in this chapter. You know, is somebody that would be shining um, among those. Uh, the, the type of people that you would have been with, uh, but now identified with Christ. You know, definitely so. You know, but also being led by the Spirit. When you look at marital relationship and, um, and looking at parent-child relationship, um, in our day and time, looking at the, the boss-employee relationship, you know, he's, he's getting across here that these aren't identical relationships, right? You know, they're not, they're not identical. But what they all, all are, are reciprocal. You know, he doesn't you know, just call out wives or just call out husbands. Each one has a very important role. And again, it's the same for all of these. And, they're, and they all complement. Each other, and especially with people that are led by the Spirit, have the Spirit dwelling within us. I mean, we, we we can all think of these type of relationships that where we can see that, and hopefully where we're we're showing that, and we can also, on the flip side, see where it's it's lacking, and. I think it's such a, a, such a powerful thing that if we're living in the Spirit, you basically, you can, it's two options. It can be a wholesome and a life-giving relationship, I think as Paul is laying out here, or it can be completely ugly and destructive. Um, I know there's are in-betweens there, and you can be working your way up or working your way down, but Again, in this short section, he gives us just practical, short advice on keeping these relationships complementary, reciprocal. Both sides are are giving, and I think that's such an identification of both sides being led by the Spirit. I don't want to rush through that. We only have about a minute or two. What, what are your th- thoughts on that? There's such a, uh, so much contained within this whole chapter, but even in those last few verses. But I did want to touch on those briefly. I know in the marriage relationship, 
when we focus on the physical, it can be very detrimental. But when we both focus on the spiritual, it can be extremely uplifting. Mm -hmm. And a great example for everybody else, including our children. But there's minding the things of the spirit, not the things of the flesh. Right. You know, somebody else. Yeah. I just think it's interesting and really beautiful how through this whole chapter, all the things that he talks about putting off, and in contrast, all the things he talks about putting on, have to do with other people and how we relate to other people. Even the things that we don't think of, like sexual immorality, impurity, lust, lust affects another person. Um, greed affects people, not just you. And I think I just am shown continually as I'm reading through the scripture, how relational this is and how that is why people were drawn to Christ, right? Is because of how he treated people. And I think if we are constantly looking to put these things away and put these relational, beautiful things on and how we deal with each other and outsiders, that will draw people. Yes. Kind of going off that, but you know, when, when we're in the flesh, we're always comparing ourselves to other people. Somebody's doing better than me in some way, somebody's doing worse than me, I won, I lost, I didn't get the job, I got the job. So, if, so we're always either looking up to somebody or looking down on somebody, but if we're living in the, in the spirit, we realize we're all, you know, we're all sinners, <laughs> and you know, some have you know put on Christ and some haven't but we're all looking across each other on the same level and I think that's really fundamental to all of this as far as interacting with other people and being in the spirit or being in the flesh and if you are thinking that by thinking that way living that way going back to what he spoke to it's really hard for things like envy and malice and those type of things jealousy to get to creep their way in to those relationships if you feel like you're on an even playing field or whatever you know equality with, with each other which i think is so important well thank you all very much any closing thoughts 20 seconds probably <laughs> thanks again enjoy class